Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today's sermon is Bless This Home Part 1 by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. I'm sick and tired of living in this small house. You need to make more money so we can get a decent place to live. I'll sneak out and meet you around midnight. My parents are clueless, and they'll never know. As long as you live under this roof, you'll do what I say. I don't care what you say. You can't stop me from going to the party. I saw you checking her out. I was just looking at the brand of her jeans. I thought they might look good on you. All right. Who's going to pray this time? Me. Dear Jesus, thank you for all the ways you blessed our family. The year was 1852, and if you had been standing on the street corner of Washington, D.C., at this funeral procession made its way down the street, you would have been extremely impressed. You would have stood with the President of the United States. Next to him was his cabinet, Congress, dignitaries from Berlin, London, Tokyo, and Africa. The crowds that lined the street were by the thousands watching this casket, draped by the American flag. Would have thought the President himself was being buried that day. Who was this man who commanded such respect and such awe? He never held an elected office. He wasn't wealthy. He wouldn't recognize his name. He was in government service. He ended up overseas in Tanzania, and that's where he died. He was buried in Tripoli. But when the news of his death finally reached America, he was so loved and so revered by the Americans and by people from all over the world that they disinterred his body and brought it back to the United States to give him this magnificent funeral. His name was simply John Howard Payne. You know what he was so loved for? Do you know what he was so noted for? It's all because of one simple line and one simple song that they brought him home from Tripoli to bury him. And here's that song. Mid pleasures and palaces, though oft we may roam, be it ever so humble, There's no place like home. He wrote the song called Home, Sweet Home. And a man got a president's burial because home still means that to America today. Max Lucada tells about a parakeet in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I love it. Named Pootsie. (laughs) I wish it had a different name. That evidently suffered from homesickness. Pootsie. Escaped from his owner and from her owner and came into the keeping of a humane society in Green Bay. And when no one else claimed Pootsie, a woman named Sue Gleason took her home and took her off the hit list and they became fast friends. But one day the little bird did something incredible. It flew over to Mrs. Gleason, put its beak in Sue's ear and whispered, 1500 South Oneida Street, Green Bay. Gleason was dumbfounded. She found that the address which Pootsie resided actually did exist. She went to the house and found a 79-year-old man named John Strubatz. Do you have a parakeet, she asked. I used to, said the elderly gentleman. He flew away and I miss him terribly. When he saw Pootsie, he was thrilled. You know, he said with delight, Pootsie even knows his phone number. 
They say that in every baby eagle that is born, there is behind the eyeball of those eagles a thing called pectin. Pectin is just an element. It is a part of the eye structure of eagles. And it helps train eagles because eagles learn to fly on the backs of their moms as they soar in the sky. Then the mom will swoop out from under them and make those birds fly. And when she sees them flapping and flapping, not being able to fly, she'll swoop back under and pick them up again. But pectin is more than that. Pectin is something that affects the brain matter of that baby eagle because there's two things that eagle must recognize in its life. Number one, where north is, where the North Pole is, where the North Pole is. And the second is where home is. And when a baby eagle flies more than five miles from her home or from his home, that eye begins to hurt like a migraine headache. And only when that eagle turns back home, only when that eagle heads back to its nest or back to home, does that head begin to relieve the pain. And it stays that way until that eagle is trained. And then just like God Almighty, that pectin is released and that pectin is gone. And that eagle, once it knows home and once it knows north, can fly on its own because it always knows where home, sweet home is. There was a family that moved to a new city. They had difficulty finding a house to rent. So they were living in a hotel in Till they found a place to live. And they had this little girl that the only place that she could play was in the lobby of the hotel. And one of the bellhops felt sorry for her and watching her one day play in the lobby. And he went up to her and he said, it's too bad you don't have a home. And the little girl smiled real big and said, oh, sir, we have a home. We just don't have a house to put it in yet. <laughs> See, a house is a lot, but a home has the Lord. A house is where you live. But a home is where you love. A house is built by a carpenter. A home is built by Christ. A house is anchored to a place. A home is anchored to a person. A house is what you see on the outside. But a home is what you see on the inside. God bless this home. How many of you would love to have your homes and families blessed today? All right, you that didn't raise your hands, how many of you like to have your home cursed today? <laughs> Let's try it one more time. How many of you would like to have your home blessed today? How many of you like to live in a blessed home? Come on now. How many of you like to have a blessed home? How many of you like to have smiles in your house and the glory of God abiding in your house and no fussing and no arguing and no, no throwing things? That, come on, raise your hand. You're with everybody. When you look at families today, the first word that's not normally used is the word blessed. We say things like, wow, pastor, that family is struggling. Their, their marriage is not what it should be. Pastor, you know raising kids is a difficult assignment, really, really. We live from paycheck to paycheck, pastor. There's a lot of temptations, you know that today, and yeah, there's always been those, and I know they're getting worse. There are challenges, Pastor. Yes, we've got this blended family, which is such a blessing, but then you're raising her kids and your kids, and then you got the exes sometime to compete with, and it's complicated. 
And I see a record number of single parents today because of that. Discipline of raising children by oneself is not easy. But for the next four weeks, we're going to do some teaching. I hope godly teaching. I hope strong, straight teaching to you. We're going to talk about the Beatitudes from Matthew 5. And we're going to touch hearts, hopefully, in this series. Some say, well, Pastor, you know, I'm a single person. Or I'm a student. And I don't, I don't really need this. Well, there's two ways to learn, good brother. You either learn by listening or you learn by experience. I think listening's the best way to learn. Because someday you will be married. Someday you will have children. Someday it will happen in your life. And, oh, brother, you need to listen now so you can make the curve a little bit easier. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking good. Next week, we're going to talk about blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That doesn't mean clean from impurities. It means what you see, the pure in heart. Next, and then the week after that, we're going to talk about blessed are the peacemakers. God, we need peacemakers in our homes. We need people that will lower their head and say, you know what? It don't matter who wins this argument. What matters is that God is glorified in this house. And then the last week, we're going to talk about blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom. And we're not going to worry about being persecuted for being a Christ-centered family. We're going to worry if someone is not talking about us. Now, I want to go on record right now. I want to get this out of the way. There's an elephant in the room. I will tell you right now, my family, the family that Patty and I raised is, I put it in all caps, far from perfect. Thank you. So I can beat you to saying that. Well, what's he up there doing talking to us anyhow? I do. Everybody all right with that? I went ahead and made the statement. I beat you to it. Some folks I have learned in life get a thrill when they see pastors' families go through some things. They come up and say, wow, neat. You had an issue. That makes me feel so good. Knowing what they mean and what they say is totally on different pages, though. And I put, ha, that's for me, not for you. I yelled at our dog one night story. I yelled at our dog one night. I yelled so loud at Coco that the girls jumped literally off the couch. I've never yelled like that before nor yelled like that since because the dog was driving me up a proverbial wall. If I would have had a pellet gun, I might have been in the inhumane society list. So my daughters told it around. They couldn't get over it. Daddy yelled in the house the other day at Coco so loud. And I had men come up to me in this church and say, so good to know, Pastor, that you yell in your home because I yell in mine. And I tried to tell them, I don't yell at my kids. I don't yell at my wife, just the dog. And I had so many men just have that little smug look and say, yeah, pastor, that's our secret. (laughs) Yuck, 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 that's our secret. I don't yell at anybody else. (laughs) And my wife can't yell. You ever heard one of those Basenji little dogs try to bark? They have no bark. My wife does not have a bark. She cannot yell. So I'm not going to yell at her when she can't yell back. When she calls the girls, it's girls upstairs. Girls. My Lord, it sounds like she's drowning. Girls. 
That's her peak. I want to come up behind her and say, baby, open your mouth wide and say, girls, girls. My girls have made fun of her our whole life. Today I speak from Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger. Say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Say, I'm going to be filled with the right stuff. So many times our homes are filled with things that are not satisfying. We continually search. We continually strive. For this thing called meaning. Our minds and hearts race for answers to questions that seem to mount quicker than we can solve them. Let me ask you a question. In your home, in your home today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. What are you hungering for? What are you pursuing? What matters most to you? Most people will say one of three things. You know what they are? They'll say, Pastor, we're just trying to relax. We're just trying to make it. We're trying to chill. Sometimes they'll say, Pastor, we're trying to make ends meet. We're trying to make enough money for the month. Sometimes they say, Pastor, we're just trying to have a good time. We may not be here for a long time, but we're going to have a good time in the short time that we're here. And they say that. Nothing wrong with any of that, really. Some will say, I'd like to be more popular. Some will say, I'm concerned about my image. Some will say, our house needs to be better, our car, our dress, or the way we appear, and the way that we treat one another. We want to appear that we love each other. We want to appear that things are all right. Please don't tell. Many people have told me that in the foyer. Please don't tell anyone, but my wife and I yelled at each other on the way to church today. So today you're here. Many of you bring Bibles to church. I had a woman bring a Bible one time that was bigger than her arms. And she said to me, Pastor, I'm a spiritual woman. Look at my Bible. And you know what I said? That was back in my smart aleck days. I said, I thought you just might have to have big print because you couldn't see well. (laughs) Image, image, image. Maybe it's a kid in the elementary school that gets kid of the year because he's the smartest kid in the school. And you put that on the back of your bumper and say, my kid is an honor roll student. And there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe some others you don't have the kid of the year, but your kid beat up the elementary school kid of the year and you got the toughest kid in the school. (laughs) Maybe it's sports. Hey, pastor, my kid is the champion underwater synchronized swimming polo player in the four and under age and he's on the traveling squad. Really? Really? Do you get to go with him? No, pastor, he's a man. He goes by himself on those travel things. But if you really get honest, you would say, Pastor, what we're really trying to do is focus on the right things. And we're trying to know more about God. But with all the distractions, with all the times that are tough in this day and time, you know what you need to do? I'm going to preach to you right now. You need to change your appetite in your house. You need to quit distracting about distractions. And you need to get focused on the one true and living God. And you need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because the only way that you're ever going to be filled is when you hunger and thirst for the right things in your home. Come on, clap your hands and say amen to that. You know, when when God Almighty brought the Israelites out of Egypt, And manna fell for the first time. You know what that manna tasted like? The Bible said it tasted like honey. 
It had a honey taste. It, had, it was a coriander seed. It was white, and it looked like snow on the ground. And if you didn't collect it in time, it melted. You know that. But it looked like a coriander seed. And they ate that manna and tasted like honey. But when God got ready to take them into the promised land, he changed the taste of the manna. Manna didn't taste like honey anymore. It tasted like fresh anointing oil. It tasted like fresh oil. You know why? Because God said, I'm tired of trying to take the taste of Egypt out of you. It's time for you to change your mindset because I didn't bring you out just to leave you here. I brought you out to take you in. And some of us need a good old-fashioned change of appetite in our home. Because if we want a blessed home, if we want God to be in our home, we need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's the only way we're going to be filled. So, I'm going to make another confession. You folks know I love Bluebell. That dairy cow... Old Blue, Old Blue Bell has been messing with my life for some time. And I have the last half gallon in the fridge right now. No more Blue Bell in the name. I'm changing my eating habits. Three years from now, I'm going to run in the Boston Marathon. That's a joke. But you don't need the Pillsbury Doughboy as your pastor. I'm going down. Everybody say it with me. Pastor's going down. Say, if Cole can, I can. I'm going down. I'm fixed to be a skinny mini. Hallelujah. Anybody want to go with me? You know, Rudy Montoya is in this church, and I love Rudy. I love Rudy to death, and, and, and Rudy and I decided to go on a diet the first of the year. And Rudy did, and I didn't. <laughs> and when you see Rudy today, second service, Rudy's a, he's a slimmed-down version. He looks like a college kid again. And uh, I can't wait when I lose all my weight. I'm going to get me a wig and <laughs> start wearing my... My shirt open, give me a little gold chain and say, ah, 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 staying alive. No, I'm do that. It's time for the pastor to change. And it's time for this church to take on a brand new attitude in our homes. Bless this home in Jesus' name. I want my home to be blessed. I want your families to be blessed. Hear this, Pastor. It's time for some of us to start pursuing God. As Tommy Tenney said, become God chasers. I want to have fellowship with him. This other stuff gets stale. It's old bread. But Jesus never gets old. His presence never gets stale. In the Old Testament, when the priest restored the bread every seven days... On the seventh day, you could eat the bread that was put there seven days ago before they put the fresh loaves in there in the tabernacle. And it was two things. It was still fresh and it was still hot. Because anything that ever has to do with God Almighty never gets stale and it never gets cold. Hallelujah. And you can proof text that by the Bible. I want God in our homes.
Let me give you two quick reasons. Many homes are not blessed. There's two things that do not work. Number one, legalistic Christianity does not work. Legalistic Christianity does not work. And number two, lukewarm Christianity does not work. Everybody say legalism. Everybody say lukewarmism. Neither one of these work. Legalism reduces the home to do's and don'ts. Cans and can'ts. Should and shouldn'ts. Ought and ought nots. It's rules, it's rules, it's rules. Let me make a statement. Put it on your refrigerator. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Somebody in your house has got to fall in love with Jesus Christ. It can't be just the do's and don'ts. Legalism is all about performance. It's all about image. Many times pastor's kids, and I love PKs, and I pastor a lot of PKs, and I I have had four PKs in my life, and one's in heaven, and three are on this earth, and I thank God for my kids. But many times PKs leave church. They cannot hang around because they have to have this certain image they have to uphold. And the pastor never leads their children into loving Jesus Christ and not just trying to make an image for everybody else. This thing is not about you. It's about him. And I told my kids that a long time ago. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. How do you know a home is lukewarm? Here's some indicators. Here's some indicators of a lukewarm home. When's the last time you prayed as a family? And I'm not talking about rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub. I'm not talking about that. Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. I'm not talking about that. When's the last time you spoke... A comforting word, encouraging word to somebody. When's the last time that you had some heaven talk with your kids? When's the last time you got slapped up and walked out of a movie? You know, you paid for it, but the trash talk and God's name being demonized and four-letter words spoken 18 times in the first two minutes, and you sit there, you may have a lukewarm home. It may not be a movie for a blessed home. In fact, some of us need to change the channels on our television set because there's some things that's just not good for our kids. I'm sorry, Ozzie and Harriet, my three sons are not still on television, but there are things on television that still are good. Or perhaps your friends, they do things and go places that are not consistent with your values, but you all of a sudden start valuing their friendship more than you value your values. Am I, am I talking to you? I'm talking about lukewarmness in your home. We still love them. We still love them. But I'm telling you something. We've got to walk a different road in a house that is blessed by the Lord. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. It's never, if I never say to my family, if I never, this is a sign of a lukewarm home. If I never say to my family, hey, you know what, kids? Dad and mom didn't get this by ourselves. We had a God that blessed us. If I never mention that to my children, we're going to serve in this community. We're going to bless somebody else. We're going to get outside of ourselves and bless somebody else because God has blessed us. It's all a sign of a lukewarm home. And Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, I wish you were cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. I'm here to tell you, we don't need legalistic homes in our life. And we don't need lukewarm homes in our life. You need to write this down. As a family, we're not just a Christian family. Instead, we are a Christ-centered home. Say it with me. Pastor, we're not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. Pastor, 
We're not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. Say it again, Pastor. We're not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. Randy sings a song, Jesus, be the center of it all. He's got to be. We live in America where 80% of people in America call themselves Christians. Yet their homes are not Christ-centered. Some of you come from countries where calling yourself a Christian means death. But here the term is very liberal and very exposed to everybody. Everybody just about speaks about being a Christian. And I don't know how long it's been since you've been to a funeral when nobody went to heaven. Everybody goes. In fact, dogs all go to heaven now. But let me, let me tell you something. You may call yourself a duck. You may be able to be able to quack. But unless you can fly and lay eggs, you're not a duck. And there's some things that has to happen when you are a Christ-centered home. Jesus just can't be a part of your lives. He has to be the center of your lives. Come on. Come on. Clap your hands for that. Somebody want to stand up and clap your hands for that? He's got to be right in the middle of your life. He's got to be in the middle of your pots and pans. He's got to be in the middle of your living room. He's got to be in the middle of your channel changer. He's got to be in the middle of all your movie watching. He's got to be in the middle of everything. Bless this home. David said in Psalm 63 and 1, I love this. He said, you God. Like he's just praying. He's crying out. You're my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Here's the Johnson version. Oh God, our family needs you. We long for you. Please bless our home. It's not popularity. It's not fame. It's not success. It's not just soccer leagues. It's not just ball. There's nothing wrong with this. It's not just beauty pageants. But we thirst for you. It's not just a new car with bun warmers for your seat. It's not new houses with swimming pools. It's not new images. Those things only empty. God is the only thing that feels. Here's my philosophy for having a Christ-centered home. I'm going to give you three quick things, and I'm going to let you go today. A pastor friend asked his 17-year-old daughter one day what she thought was necessary for bringing a Christ-centered home to the family. Here's a 17-year-old's response of a pastor. She said, parents should create an environment where kids want to have discussion about God. So it's not something they feel like they have to do, but it's something that they want to do. Do you know, every time one of my girls needed direction or help, they always asked Patty or I to pray, Patty or me to pray about their future, what God wanted. I can't tell you the number of times that I've prayed for tests. And my first question was, did you study? I can't just pray God to put brains in there when you don't have the information in there. Did you study? Yes, Daddy, I studied, but it's just all scrambled. Okay, God, unscramble it. But we prayed. But let, 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 me, let me say something to you. Let me say something to you. What I'm going to teach you right now is so gentle. It's not anything harsh. It's not anything that you have to be a pastor to do. 
I'm going to teach some of the most gentle directions that you've ever heard in your life. I'm going to give you three great secrets here to how to have a blessed home today. You ready for it? Number one, we simply must involve God in our daily conversation. And that doesn't mean, listen to me, children. God's watching you. I know, I know, I know that, I know that many of you see me as a pastor and you think our home is different. Our home is just like your home. When I go home, first thing I do is put on my t-shirt and put on my, my shorts. They're the classiest shorts you've ever seen in your life. And my wife has to literally rob them. I have to have them laid down somewhere. She steals them to wash it because I don't like it fresh washed. I like it just old and tacky. And when I get up in the morning and I'm not doing something real quickly, my hair doesn't look beautiful like it looks right now. <laughs> when my hair's a little longer, many times it looks like goalposts coming up on either side. <laughs> and my kids have walked up to me and said, Daddy, can we just flip something through there and say, three, touchdown. Bozo the Clown would be something that you could put in my category. And you'd say, wow, wow, that's your home? Yeah. But every day, every day, when we walk and we talk and we share and we give, we always find God-conscious moments. You know, I've never, I, I know this is hard to believe, but I've never laid hands on my girls. In the name of Jesus. I've never done that to my kids. They'd be running out the door screaming like banshees. They thought I'd lost my mind. But I have walked up to them, put my arm around them, and said, God loves you today. I have walked up to my girls and put my arm on their shoulders and hugged them up real close. In fact, my girls are pitiful. They come over every Sunday night. They, they, you know, it's just what we do. It's a Sunday night of blessing and we want God to bless our home. We want God to bless their home. And they'll come up and hug me. And if I just let them hug me, they don't want that. They want my arm to be put around them. And I hug them. Hug me, Daddy. Hug me, Daddy. And I hug them. And I always whisper things like, the Lord loves you. I got son-in-laws that won't leave me alone. They want to hug me all the time. <laughs> and we have fun. And we have a blast. And we go watch the Spurs. And we... I want to go to Round Rock Friday night with y'all. and We do those kind of things. We're not out in left field, but we just bring God along in our daily conversations. You know what I mean? It's just God. It's like, hey, hey, look at that beautiful sun that the Lord put up there in the sky. Just mention it. Hey, hey, wow, wow. Did you see that full moon last night, girls? Man, God can show off sometime. That's how we used to talk in our home. We talk like that. It's not like, I want to tell you, you need to repent of your sins. <laughs> no. No, it's just talk. The Bible said when you're walking in the way, just, just talk to them about the Lord. When you're, when, you're, when you're sitting down, talk to them. When you rise up in the morning, just mention God in their life. There's no greater character, no greater being that you can mention in the lives and the hearts of your kids than talking about God. Make it a part of your daily conversation. My mom is gone. 
But my mom used to do something. Today, a year ago, mom died. I miss you, mom. She died on the 27th, and I miss her. I really do. I miss her. Well, I don't miss her fussing. But I miss her sweetness, and she has some neat, neat sides. But mom, every morning we got up in the morning, every morning I, I got to hurry because I don't want to preach too long. But my Lord, I hadn't preached forever in this church. But I, every morning we used to get up, and Mama had these, I don't, some of y'all may still have them. It's little promise things that you pull out, little, little cards you pull out, and you read your promise. And there's all different colors. And she didn't realize it, but when I found one that I really liked, I would hide it in a particular place and know the color. Next morning I'd pull that same card out. I'd say, Mama, God's trying to tell me something. But every morning before we went away to school, it was just God moments. It was just God moments. It wasn't, oh, God, oh, God, help these boys. Don't let them fall into temptation today. We just had God moments. It was just God moments. You need God moments. You need to have times in your family. You need to have times in your family when it's just the time to say, hey, it don't have to be, okay, okay, it's 15 to 3. Come in here, son. Come in here, daughter. We're going to talk about God right now. No, no, no. It's just in your day. It's just in your life. You just share God. Is that too easy? I'm telling you, it's simple. It's so simple you could fall off a log easier than that. Because God Almighty just wants us to mention him. Because he's as close as the mention of his name. Just talk about him. Amen. Just talk about him. You know, when you, when, you, when you see somebody in a mall or something, and you see them, that they're not as fortunate as you. They're not as fortunate. And your kids are seeing them. And you, and you don't put them down. You say, hey, kids, the blessing of God is on our home. This is a God thing. It's a God thing. You know what kids will start doing? They'll start emulating you. I emulate mama today. I still get up every morning and want a promise from the Lord. I open my Bible and get a promise from God every day. But I'm here to tell you something. You listen to me. Kids will emulate you. It doesn't have to be hard and cold and harsh and, and, and judgmental. And it doesn't have to be that. It just has to be easy. You just talk to your kids as you walk. You put it on their wrist. You put it on their head. You let them know that God loves them. My kids and I and my wife have never had an all-night prayer meeting. We've never had to had to lay hands on one of our kids and cast a, a spirit out or whatever. Because when they were first young, we understood that God was going to rule our house. The second thing I want to share with you is this. It's very simple. Make church non-negotiable. You with me? Yes, sir. I lost some of you. Thank you for being at church the Sunday after Easter. People that wasn't here today are going to miss some things. Because we need a God-blessed home. We need God to bless our home. That's what we do. It's normal procedures. My wife, my wife, not only can she not yell, but my wife can sing and she can write songs. She used to wake our kids up to school singing like Myrtle, the turtle, loves to go to school. Myrtle, the turtle, loves the golden rule. I said, baby, you ought to, you ought to. Man, Hillary wrote It Takes a Village. You ought to have songs to wake your kids up by. You need to write a song book. You need to publish that, honey. We could go on a Hawaiian cruise or something. <laughs> 
She said, I just got about five. <laughs> One day she'd sing stuff like this. It's Friday, the last day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Friday, the last day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love Sunday mornings more than any of them. Same song every Sunday. A birdie with a yellow bill hopped up on my windowsill. He cocked his shiny eye and said, you're a little sleepyhead. I rubbed my sleepy eyes and said, who's a little sleepyhead? And the girls used to come up and say, who's a, who's a, who's a? <laughs> He flapped his wings and away he flew, said, don't be late for Sunday school. <laughs> Some things are non-negotiable. We go to school five days a week. We go to church on Sunday. Say, we go to church on Sunday. We go to church on Sunday. You know what, folks? It's just normal practice. It takes an hour and 15 minutes of your time once a week. You know why I said hour and 15 instead of hour and 30? Because some of you don't get here on time. I'm sorry I had a monster drink this morning. Forgive me. But an hour and 15 minutes. I figured it up. 168 hours in the week. I figured it up. Point zero 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 eight of one percent of your time in church if you come every Sunday. You think anybody can give point zero 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 eight? You know what eight is? The number of new beginning. If you'll just share that with your children. Hey, we're going to get a brand new start today. That's why church, that's why we worship on the first day of the week. That's why Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Simply because we believe with everything that's in us that God wants us to start in the house of the Lord every Sunday and let the first day of the week be the greatest day of your life so your rest of your week will be awesome and wonderful. Come on, make church non-negotiable. You know, when we go on vacation, I'm going to find a church somewhere if I miss a weekend. I'm going to go. And I, I put in, it's not to make a statement. Uh, it's not a show. It's not for image. For crying out loud, I'm out of town. You don't even know it, but I'm telling you about it. I've been to some churches that are the most pitiful churches in the history of churchdom. But I sat there and I said, I want to get something out of this. And so I usually walk away with something in my spirit. Because there's something about just going to church. Come on. David, David, David would stop dignitaries and say, you know what? I can't meet with you right now. I can't meet with you right now. You know why David did that? Because David was the 10th generation from the people who could not go to the house of the Lord because there was a problem back 10 generations ago. And David said this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. David was the first in 10 generations to be able to go to the house of the Lord in his family unit. Here's what I'm trying to say. Every Sunday morning, you need to get up and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's not about image. It's not about trying to show out. It's not trying to make a name for yourself. It's trying to put Christ in the center of your home because we're more than Christians. We want Christ-centered homes in our life. Clap your hands and rejoice with that right now. And the third thing, we need to show how seeking and receiving God is fun. Everybody say, God's a blast. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You think that, you know my spurs got beat yesterday. 
And it, it, it hurt. Because every time I watch a, a television set with other people around it, nobody's ever for my team. And I was at a, a wedding reception last evening, and we were waiting to go into the room. And I went down by the pool, and uh, there was a big screen there, and I wanted to watch the Spurs. And there was 16, 17 guys. The problem was they'd all been drinking, so they didn't know who to cheer for. <laughs> they didn't have any sense left. And they were all cheering for the Mavericks. And when Manu Ginobili made that shot just before the end of the game, 1.7 seconds, I said, Yeah! That's the first time I really grunted. I said, yeah. Well, they knew then that if something happened good for the Mavericks, I was fixing to get lamb blasted, and boy, I got dogpiled. When that boy made that shot, everybody screamed and hollered. And I know we've got some ex-Dallas people in the building, and you love the Mavericks, and God rest your soul. But I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing more joyous in my life than to know that my God loves me and that he absolutely adores the person I am. Can I tell you? Look at yourself and say, God loves this old boy right here. He loves me. <laughs> Some people think I'm ugly, but God doesn't. Some people think that I'm pretty, but God thinks I'm beautiful. Some people think that I'm rich, but it doesn't matter to God. Some people think I'm poor, but God loves me. It doesn't matter. God loves everybody in this house. And some of us need to start making our home a place where God's power and spirit and love abides and abounds. I'm going to preach to you now. It's going to get a little tough here right now. Everything the Bible said by prayer. We never made our kids travail. Never. We made prayer fun. We made talking to God a blast. Lighten up, Dad. Take a break, Mom. We made our girls believe that nothing was bigger than the God who could fix any problem. Say nothing is bigger than the God that can fix any problem. So God's people are not panickers. I call them bacon fryers. Sizzling in the skillet. Oh, God. Ooh. I know some pastors and their wives that every little thing in their church causes them to fry bacon. They just fry bacon. They sizzle bacon. You don't need a sizzling bacon home. You need a home where the joy of the Lord is. You need a home where the peace of God is. And you know what? Only you can change that, Mom. Only you can change that, Dad. Your kids will be what you are. And if you come in rejoicing at night, and if you come in praising God at night, if you come in telling them God is good and everything's on top and God's in control of everything, they'll start believing that. They'll get on top. You'll see your kids absolutely start hungering and thirsting after the God that blessed you and helped you and strengthened your life. Come on now. Hey. Kids make mistakes. They're going to slip up. But God, God is going to help us. And the God that helps us is greater than the kid that makes a mistake. And greater than the mistake that the kid makes. You say, well, Pastor, you've never had kids on drugs. You've never had kids on alcohol. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I'm trying to help you today. I'm trying to help you today. Because all hell wants you to do is to panic and fret the rest of your life 
And God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say sound mind. Say, I will not be afraid. I will be at peace because the God in heaven is bigger than the problem on earth. The God in heaven is bigger than the problem on earth. And if my heart condemns me, God is even greater than my heart. And I quit. So you've got to pursue God. You've got to chase after him. You really do. God's got to be in your conversation. Church has got to be non-negotiable. And you've got to make living for God fun. It's got to be a fun thing. It's fun to see where God will take your family on this journey. Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24, Randy, come and help me. I'd appreciate it. He said, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Everybody say, choose for yourself this day. Everybody say, this day. You're not going to fall into this someday. You've got to choose. You've got to make a decision someday. Why not choose it this day? Jonathan said to his armor bearer on a day, on a certain day, hey, let's go up and let's whip the enemy today. Sometime in your life, you're going to have to change the manner of which you have home if you want your home to be a blessed home. Amen? Let joy rule in your house. Let the peace of God that passeth understanding rule in your house. Let the grace of God, let the mercy of God be in your house. Hey, 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 hey. I'd rather, I'd rather my kids make mistakes every day. And they know when they come to me, they can come to a loving dad. They can go to their mom and have a loving mom. I'd rather have that because someday it's going to get through them. It's going to get through to them. The prodigal son sat in a hog pen and he said, wait a minute. I've got a dad that's got servants that's doing better than I am. And I'm going to go back to my father because I know if anybody loves me, my dad loves me. Your kids need to feel that today. If anybody loves them, you love them. Your husband needs to feel that today. Your wife needs to feel that today. If anybody loves you, I do. There's nothing like having a blessed home. Lift your hands and say, bless our home, Lord. Come on. Bless our home, Lord. Today, today, today. Got to change the culture. Got to change your appetite. But he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.